All right, we're glad y'all are back tonight. Uh, excited about starting this study on baptism. And uh, we're going to be doing this for the next four weeks tonight and the next three weeks. Um, and we'll have uh, discussions like this uh, tonight, next week, the week after. And then the fourth week, like we've, like we've been doing in the past, the fourth week, uh, we'll have a, a question and answer time panel discussion. The, the whole night will be just uh, your questions and, and, we'll, and, and discussion based on your questions. Um, all of our pastors will be here uh, together answering those questions. But tonight, uh, we will have some time, hopefully, at the, at the end to answer some questions as well. So if you have things that come up, keep those in mind, jot them down or whatever, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll look at those uh, as, as best we can tonight. Uh, baptism is a huge... Uh, issue, huge topic, huge, uh, huge thing, as you all know. Uh, we're a Baptist church, and, and that's in our name uh, because of what we believe about baptism, how we uh, baptize people. But there's lots of different, different ideas about baptism, lots of different views about baptism uh, in, the, in the Christian world. Um, and, and, and they kind of revolve around certain questions, like who should be baptized, right? Should we baptize um, only believers, or should we baptize believers and their infant children also? Or should we baptize all children or just all people, right? Uh, and, and, and some places even uh, in the last few years have started baptizing or at least, at least blessing ceremonies that look sort of like baptism uh, pets, which is hopefully crazy to, to y'all, uh, but, but that happens, right? Um, there's another question of how should baptism be done? Uh, should we totally immerse someone underwater and, and then bring them up? Should we pour water over top of, of the person wanting to be baptized? Should we sprinkle someone um, which is with, with water on, on the fingers and sprinkle it on their head? Um, should we do it however the, the person being baptized wants to do it, whether they prefer to be immersed or prefer to be sprinkled or poured or whatever it might be? Um, and, and another question that comes up sometimes in, in missions context is, do you have to baptize in water? Because what if you're a missionary uh, in a desert somewhere where there's not really much water? Is it okay to baptize someone in, uh, instead of in water, to baptize them in, in rice or in uh, sand or, or something like that instead of water? Um, another big question that, that comes up is, is when should baptisms be done? Should people be baptized uh, within a few weeks after their birth? Or should they be baptized immediately after believing and repenting? Right? If we have someone that, that comes up on a Sunday morning and says that they want to believe in Jesus for the first time and they want to, uh, they feel like God has converted them and they're trusting in him now where they didn't before, should we immediately take them back and, and, and extend our service for another 30 minutes or so and baptize, baptize them right then? Um, or should we kind of talk to them first and, and examine and kind of teach them what baptism means and make sure that they understand what's happening and, and then maybe baptize them the next week or, or a few weeks later? Um, should we wait and not baptize someone until they turn 18? And again, in some missionary context, uh, that, that's what people have chosen to do because baptism um, has such uh, violent sometimes reactions to someone being baptized in, in other contexts where, uh, where someone seemed to be leaving their former religion, perhaps even leaving their family. Maybe their family even turns their back on them. And so uh, in, in some places like that, uh, the missionary, the pastors want to make sure that that person is making um, a sound decision. And so they, they won't baptize someone until after they turn 18 to make sure that they're an adult and can make that decision with all of those uh, ramifications. What, if, what about an infant who is, uh, who is stillborn or an infant who is about to die? What about an, an older person who's on their deathbed? 
Should, should a, a, a pastor, a priest, someone from the church go and, and baptize that person by sprinkling or pouring or whatever um, at, the, at the bedside? Um, those are all a lot of big questions, and we're going to talk about them on February the 20th. We're not going to talk about them tonight, all right? But those are, those are big questions. We're going to talk about all those, all those three topics, who should be baptized, when should we baptize, and how should we baptize. We're going to try to talk about all that in one week on February the 20th. What, what I want to do tonight and next week is really get to the heart of a, of a really important question that we really have to talk about before we start looking at those other questions, and that is, why do we baptize? What does baptism do? What's the purpose of baptism? Okay? And so we're going to talk about that tonight, and we're going to talk about that um, next week as well. But tonight, I want us to talk about a, a specific group. You know, if we, take, uh, if we take all the different views on baptism, all the different ideas about what, what baptism does and what it's for, um, we can take all those different views and we can kind of collect them together into two groups, okay? And so one group uh, it, we, we could call baptismal regeneration, all right? And if you don't know what that, what that means, it's a big word, it's okay, big phrase, it's okay. Regeneration is another word for being born again, being remade, being recreated, Right, And so baptismal regeneration means that these, this group of, of different views, this group of, of churches or people believe that baptism has something to do with being saved, something to do with being born again. Okay? And then the other group uh, doesn't really have a name, but we could call it uh, non-regenerative baptism or something like that. This other group is, is full of, of people and churches and, and, and uh, traditions that think baptism is really important. Uh, baptism really matters. It's important how we do it and when we do it and who, who, who is baptized and, and all those kind of things. But baptism itself does not save you. Baptism itself is not connected to the process of salvation. Okay, so we can look at those two broad groups. And so tonight we're going to look at the group that says baptism is necessary for salvation. Somehow baptism is involved in your salvation. If you're not baptized, then you're not saved. Um, and we're going to look at three different groups that, that believe that tonight. And then next week, we're going to look at the group that says baptism is important, uh, but it's not necessary for salvation. And we'll look at three groups that, that believe that next week. Okay? But so tonight, we want to focus on, uh, on three groups that believe in some form of baptismal regeneration, some form of, uh, of the idea that baptism saves you. And if you're not baptized, then you're not saved. Okay? And so we're going to look at three groups tonight. The first one is the Catholic view, what the Catholic Church believes about, about baptism. There's a Catholic church right up the, right up the street here. Um, the second uh, group we're going to look at is the, the Lutheran view, the Lutheran church. Uh, we don't really have a lot of connections with, with Lutheran churches, although a, there are a lot of Lutheran people, German people, Lutheran people up in uh, southern Indiana, not too far from us. Um, there is St. Mark's Lutheran Church on Southside Drive that we used to, used to be involved in the, uh, in the area community ministries when we used to do the Thanksgiving service and things like that together. They were involved in that. So we do have some connection to, to that tradition. We'll talk about the Catholic uh, understanding, the Lutheran understanding, and then finally we want to talk about the Church of Christ or the Restoration Movement understanding of baptism. We have people in our church that, are, uh, that have family members or have themselves been connected with that movement um, and, and those kind of churches are around us. So we'll talk about those three. But first we want to talk about what, do, what does the Catholic Church teach? What do Catholic people believe about baptism? And so, uh, you know, we call baptism, we call the Lord's Supper, we call those ordinances, right? Because those are, those are things that have been ordained by Jesus uh, for the church to do, to commemorate in, in different ways. Uh, we'll talk about that next week when we look at the Baptist view. But the Catholic Church calls 
uh, baptism and, and some other ceremonies in their, in their church sacraments, okay? Um, we don't need to know necessarily where that word comes from because it's, it's it has a Latin roots and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter that much. It's up for you to know that, that what they mean when they say sacrament is that the act itself, the ceremony itself, baptism itself, conveys, conveys grace onto the person being baptized, okay? So just like when we hear the word preached, uh, the Lord uses uh, the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit uses uh, uses the Word to uh, to awaken us, to cause us to believe th- those kind of things. The, the grace of God operates on us in, in those ways when we hear the Word preached. Uh, for the Catholic Church, they believe that that God's grace operates on people in the act of baptism. Okay, so they think that baptism transforms a, a person. Um, that that tr- baptism changes someone from being dead in their sins to being alive. Uh, in Christ, and so uh, what we would think of as as someone being born again, right? We would think someone believes and repents of their sins, uh, and, and and through God's grace, they're they're born again. Uh, the Catholic Church would say, no, baptism is how someone is born again. Someone is born again through baptism. Okay, and they they have this uh, this this Latin phrase that that you don't really need to be uh, memorized or even know what it means, but it's important for us to kind of be aware of it. This phrase, ex opere operato. Okay, ex opere operato. And what that means literally is from the work, the working, or from the operation, or from the operating, the operation. Okay, here's what that means. That simply by taking someone and putting water on them, they receive God's grace and they're born again. The act of baptism works in and of itself separate from anything else. It doesn't matter if the person who's being baptized believes the gospel. doesn't matter if the person being baptized has repented of their sins. doesn't matter if the person being baptized um, is trusting in Jesus or not. None of that matters. All that matters is, have they been baptized? Did a priest baptize them and, and use the, the words uh, that, that they use when they baptize them? If so, then they've been born again. If so, they've been saved. If so, their sins have been washed away. Okay. From the work, the working, or from the operation, from the operating, the operation. The act itself does it. All that's needed for someone to be saved is for a priest to perform that, that sacrament. Baptism uh, removes sin completely apart from whether or not the person being baptized has faith or repents of sin. And so you may be thinking, well, why would someone believe that or, or think that? You may not be thinking that, but you may. Um, Either way, turn to Romans chapter 6, and we'll look at why someone might say that or believe that. Romans chapter 6, Paul talks about baptism. Listen to what he says, starting in verse 1. He says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection." For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims. 
Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him, for in light of the fact that he died, he died to sin once for all. But in light of the fact that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. Okay, so Paul's making a, a point here, making a connection here between our life and Jesus's life. If we've, if we've been connected with Jesus, then just as Jesus has died to sin, then we have died to sin. And just as Jesus has been raised to newness of life, we've been raised to newness of life, right? But how is it that we become connected to Jesus in this way? Well, the Catholic person would look at Romans 6 and they would say, uh, verse 4, Therefore, we were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, right? So how is it that we're connected with Jesus' death? By baptism. And then by analogy, the same way as we're connected with his life. And so they would look at Romans 6, they would say, see, it says, through baptism, you've been connected with Jesus. And so if you haven't been baptized, then you're not connected with Jesus. And if you have been baptized, then you are connected with Jesus. Okay? Another passage is 1 Peter chapter 3. We're just going to read one verse here, so you can turn there if you want to, or you can just listen if you, if you want to. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Uh, verse 21. Well, I'll start in, in uh, yeah, in 21. Baptism which corresponds to this, right? So we started in a kind of awkward place, but this is referring to knowing the ark. He's talking in this passage about knowing the ark and how eight people were saved in the ark. And so he says in verse 21, baptism, which now corresponds to this, now saves you. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So they would look at that and they would say, well, see, in, in Romans 6, Paul says that we're connected with Jesus through baptism, we're baptized into his death. And then Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3 that baptism now saves you. So how much clearer could it be, right? How much clearer could it be? So what does baptism actually do in, in the Catholic view? Um, for infants, baptism removes the guilt of original sin, right? So we're born guilty of sin. Adam and Eve sinned on our behalf. Catholics believe this uh, just like we do, that original sin is passed down. Um, and, and so they would say for an infant, when an infant is baptized, it removes the guilt of original sin. Okay? When an adult is baptized, it removes the guilt of, uh, of, of original sin, but it also removes the guilt of all the sins that that person has committed up to that point. Okay? So in, in the Catholic tradition, there are other sacraments that still need to be performed after your baptism uh, to remove the guilt from ongoing sins, right? The Lord, the, the Eucharist, they call it, or the Mass, the Lord's Supper, um, and, and, and other sacraments as well that, that take away those remaining sins. Confession, uh, those kind of things. But baptism washes away original sin, removes the guilt of original sin, removes the guilt of all the sins that that person's committed up to the point of being baptized. Uh, and, and, and so it's important that you be baptized. What about people that are not baptized? Uh, well, an adult who's not baptized, the uh, Catholic Church would say is cut off from the church and is not a part of the people of God. Cut off from the church, cut off from salvation, 
not a part of God's people. Uh, for an infant who, who dies without being baptized, a, a child who dies really young in infancy still, um, the church would say that that infant can't go to heaven because it hasn't been baptized, still has the guilt of, of original sin, can't go to heaven. Um, but they also say that, that that infant, that child would not go to hell. Uh, there's a special place that they call uh, limbus infantium, or you may have called, heard it called limbo, right, in English, limbo. And so they, they would say that this, this, this infant, this baby that's not been baptized would, would live for eternity in, in limbo. And limbo is this place that's uh, it's not hell. It's not, they're, they're not punished for their sins, uh, but it's also not heaven. They don't enjoy the, the blessings and, and benefits of heaven. Okay? So this is the Catholic view. Baptism is necessary for salvation. If you're not baptized, then you're not saved. Okay? The Lutheran view is very similar to what Catholics believe. Uh, but there are some important differences, okay? So it's very similar to Catholic, Catholic view. Uh, they also, Lutherans also believe that baptism is a sacrament. They also believe that baptism uh, conveys grace onto the person being baptized. Um, they also believe that, uh, that baptism transforms the person and brings them from, from spiritual death to spiritual life. Uh, they also believe that baptism is how uh, people are, are born again. And they would also look at that Romans 6 passage and say, well, see, it says that we're baptized into Christ Jesus. And so if we're baptized into him, then that means that if we're not baptized, then we're not in him. If that's the way to get in Christ, then we're not, we're not in him. They would also look at this 1 Peter 3 passage where, where Peter says that, uh, that baptism saves you. And they would say it's, it's very clear right there. It says so. Baptism saves you. So that's what, that's what we believe because the, that, that, that's what the Bible teaches. But there are a couple other places that they, would, that they would look as well. One of them is in Galatians. And remember, Lutherans are Protestant, right? They're not Catholic, so they believe in justification by faith, and, and, and they're, uh, they are um, descendants, uh, intellectually descendants, or tradition de- descendants from Martin Luther. And so they, would, they g- would go along with him like that. But they had this tight connection between, uh, between baptism and faith. So in, in Galatians 3... Uh, starting in verse 25, it says, But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. See, you're sons of God through faith. But verse 27 says, For as many of you has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ like a garment. And so they would look at that passage. They would say, you see it right there, just in two verses, side by side, this, this close connection, this integral connection, this necessary connection between faith and baptism. You can't have one without having the other, okay? They would also look at a passage like in, uh, in Mark 16 where, uh, where Jesus himself is talking and he says, um, Mark 16, verse 16, uh, verse 15, uh, then Jesus said to them, to the disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And they would, they would point to that passage. See, again, believing and baptism are, are so closely connected that it says you have to do those two things to be saved. And so baptism is, is part of salvation. A, a difference, the, the main difference that we've already kind of hit on a little bit between Lutherans and Catholic uh, views is that uh, in the Lutheran understanding, Baptism is not ex opere operato. Remember that phrase, the, the, in the working it works? Lutherans don't think that. 
The Catholic Church says we're gonna, if we baptize somebody, it doesn't matter at all what they believe, what they think, what they none of that matters. All that matters is this act of baptism works in and of itself, regardless of anything else. And the Lutheran Church would say, no, that, that's not true. Baptism does work, and baptism does bring salvation, and baptism does remove sin, but baptism doesn't work apart from faith. Baptism works along with faith, and the two work together to bring about salvation. So baptism does affect salvation. It does bring salvation, but not without faith. Uh, baptism requires faith to be there as well. Through baptism, God works in conjunction with faith um, to bring about this salvation. Okay? So for an adult person that's going to be baptized in a, in a Lutheran church, um, they're baptized the, just like we do on, on the profession of faith. The person says that they believe, and the, and the church baptizes them based on their faith, their trusting, their believing in Jesus. Okay? For an, for an infant or a young child um, also need to be baptized, just like the Catholic Church, they would say that young children need to be baptized, infants need to be baptized to, to remove the guilt of original sin, uh, to wash away those sins. So how can infants be baptized if baptism is so connected to faith? And so there's a couple different answers that the Lutheran Church gives. One of them is, uh, they say that, that and, and this comes straight from Martin Luther, they say infants who are baptized may have an unconscious faith. Infants that are baptized may have an unconscious faith. And so they would say, when you, when you go to sleep, you're unconscious. Are you still believing in Jesus, or have you stopped trusting in Jesus? Right? They make some arguments like that. Those are not all that compelling, I don't think. But here's one that, that is a little bit more compelling. Look, look to Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, verse 15, this is the angel speaking to Mary. Okay, And in Luke, Luke 1, 15, the angel says, talking about Jesus, Mary's son, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Sorry, this is not about Jesus. It's about John the Baptist. The angel talking to Zechariah about John the Baptist. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. And so the Lutherans say, well, see, he's, he's already, this is one person, this is one infant child in the womb still, hasn't even been born yet. And he's already filled with the Holy Spirit. So how can he be filled with the Holy Spirit if he's not even born yet? And perhaps there's some kind of unconscious faith or something we're not aware of, right? None of us remember what it was like to be a, a, a one-month-old or a two-week-old. And so maybe a two-week-old or a one-month-old can't can have faith and can't believe, and we, we, we can't get back to that point to remember it. Look also to the end of chapter 1, uh, Luke one thirty nine, or the middle of chapter 1, Luke one thirty nine. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, You are the most blessed of women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Okay, so Mary's pregnant with Jesus. Uh, Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary goes to visit uh, Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, and Elizabeth says that the child inside of her womb, John the Baptist, leaped for joy whenever Mary appeared with, with Jesus in her womb. And so Lutherans would point to that and say, well, see, here's John the Baptist again in the womb, and he's reacting to the presence of the Lord Jesus. And so perhaps he had uh, some type of unconscious faith in, in that moment before he was born as well, right? So the first answer is maybe children that are uh, infants that are baptized, maybe they have some kind of unconscious faith. A second answer is um, 
maybe it's not that the child himself or herself has an unconscious faith, but the faith of the parents, or perhaps even the faith of the church gathered there, stands in place of the infant's faith. And so when a, when a family, when a mom and dad bring their infant child to be baptized, to remove their sins, to wash away their guilt, uh, the infant's salvation at that point rests on the kind of vicarious faith of the, of the parents standing in for the child. The parents or the church are believing for him or believing for her. Okay? So, so very similar, but a very big difference. Catholics believe the baptism itself works just on its own without any kind of reference to faith or repentance. The Lutheran church believes that baptism does save you and, and does affect salvation, uh, but it doesn't operate apart from faith. It operates with faith, either the, the, belief, the, the person being baptized is own faith or the faith of the, of the parents or the, or the church acting on behalf of the infant child. Okay? Another view that, uh, that, uh, that believes that baptism is necessary for salvation is, uh, is the Church of Christ. Okay? Um, churches of Christ or the Restoration Movement, uh, you might have heard it. I don't think they like that term all that much, the Restoration Movement. Um, uh, you might have even heard, it, heard of it called as uh, Campbellite churches. They really don't like that term at all. They, 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 um, they see that as a derogatory term. Um, but, but sometimes people refer to them as that. So if you've heard that term Campbellite, then that, that's what that refers to. Um, uh, and, and, and it's because of Campbell was the, was the man who started the first church. But they would, they, Church of Christ uh, members and Church of Christ pastors would say, we're not following any man at all. Uh, we're just looking at the Bible and we're trying to go back as close as we can to the New Testament church and set our church up the way the New Testament church was set up. Okay? That's why it's sometimes called the Restoration Movement because... Um, the movement began as, as a way to try to restore the church to what it was in the, in the New Testament time, okay? So uh, churches of Christ believe that there are six steps in the process of salvation. So six things that you must do to be saved. Um, the first one is that you have to be properly taught and, and hear. You have to properly be taught and hear the gospel, right? The second thing you have to do is you must believe and have faith, uh, the third thing is you must repent. And when they say repent, they mean specifically turning from like a former lifestyle and, and, and embracing or choosing God's way. Okay, so not just changing an, an opinion or changing the way you think or changing uh, the, the way you feel, but actually changing the way that you, that you live. Repentance has, a, has an outward effect, okay? Uh, the fourth thing you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God. The fifth thing you have to do is you must be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then the sixth thing you have to do is you must live faithfully as a Christian. So uh, churches of Christ believe that you can lose your salvation, and so you have to continue following and living as a, as a faithful Christian in order to remain saved. Okay? So you have to be taught and hear, believe and have faith, repent, confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God, be baptized in the name of Jesus, and live faithfully as a Christian, okay? Now, if asked why they believe this, they, they would probably point to Romans 6 as well, we've already read. They would, they would likely point to 1 Peter 3, again, where Peter says that, that baptism saves you, baptism now saves you. Uh, but a, a, another passage that they go to, uh, almost kind of like the, their, their key phrase, their, their, their um, favorite passage about this is in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, 
Uh, this is early, early on in the history of the church. This is at, at Pentecost and right after Pentecost. And so if you look at chapter 2, uh, starting in verse um, 30, let's start in verse, uh, verse 32. No, let's start in verse 36. This is, this is Peter preaching one of his sermons, right? And in verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. This is the, the end of Peter's sermon, end of Peter's preaching. Verse 37 says, when the people that were gathered there, when they heard this, they came under deep conviction. And so they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? And then 238 is the key verse. Peter says, repent, to, repent Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, okay? So they would look at this passage, and they would say, this is the clearest thing you can look at in the New Testament. It says, they ask him, Peter preaches the gospel to them. They ask him, what must we do to be saved? How is it that we can, uh, that we can get salvation? And Peter answers, you must do two things, repent and believe. No, sorry, repent and be baptized. <laughs> sorry, repent and be baptized, right? Repent and be baptized. And then, even to make it even more clear, like to, to sew it up, make it a solid case, you must repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and here's why, for the remission of your sins. So why is it that you're repenting? Why is it that you're being baptized? Peter says you're being baptized for the remission of your sins. And so the Church of Christ says that's what we believe. How, how, do, you, how do you get saved? How is it the Lord saves people? You must repent. You must be baptized for the remission of your sins, okay? And there's other things, those other, uh, those other four things, they have six things. They would say, you know, this is one passage. There's other parts of the, of the New Testament where those other things come in, and we're taught those other things. But, but here in this passage specifically, we're told very clearly, you must repent and you must be baptized for the remission of your sins, okay? Now, one thing that's different about the, uh, about the Church of Christ and, 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 and uh, restoration movement from Catholic and Lutheran churches is they don't think baptism, they don't think the water of baptism saves you. They don't think baptism washes away your sins or, or, or removes your guilt or that kind of thing. What they say is we're saved by the blood of Jesus. They would say absolutely, the Bible teaches that. We're saved by the blood of Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus can remove our sins. And they would say, but what the Bible teaches is the way that we come in contact with the blood of Jesus is through the water of baptism. And if you're not baptized, then you're not connected with the blood of Jesus. Going back to, to Romans 6, remember that? You're baptized into Jesus, baptized into his death, okay? And so they, they would look at that passage. They would say very, very clearly here, you know, it says, people come in contact with the blood of Jesus through the waters of baptism. You must be baptized for the remission of sins, and if you're not baptized, then your sins are not remitted, okay? Now, the, the restoration movement is, is, is a big group, right? And there's the Churches of Christ, which are really, really conservative and really, uh, really um, hardcore is not really the best word, but kind of hardcore on this, that this is absolutely what we believe and, and we hold to it. Um, there are more liberal churches that are in this, in this, uh, in this group or in this tradition, whatever, like the, uh, the uh, Disciples of Christ, church, the uh, Christian Church Disciples of Christ are, are more, more liberal, and so they may be a little bit more lenient on this. I'm, I'm not 100% sure exactly what they, what they believe. But also in this tradition is the Christian church, 
Okay, and so uh, there are a lot of Christian churches in this area. Uh, Southeast is obviously a big Christian church in this area. And so where do, where do Christian churches come down on this? Uh, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. And, and sometimes it's hard to find out. Sometimes it's hard to, 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 to see because sometimes they're not 100% clear. Um, when I was living in Oklahoma City, I worked at a Christian church. Um, and and uh, it, it was very clear because they wanted to hold the passages like this. And they wanted to say, Peter says, be baptized for the remission of sins. But then they also wanted to say that we're saved by God's grace and we're not saved by anything we do. And the Bible also seems to, seems to teach that. And so they were really conflicted. And we, I had conversations with some of the elders at the, at the church there and, um, and, and had a lot, of, a lot of conversations, discussions about that, and, and, and they were really convicted about that. Um, conflicted about that is what I meant to say. Um, Southeast Christian Church, um, I believe you can, you can hold either position and be a member of their church. You can either be think that baptism is necessary for salvation or think that baptism is not necessary for salvation. Um, I think even you can be uh, a pastor at their church and, and, and be on either side of that issue. Um, however, I've also been told that, uh, that they hold, hold a little bit closer to you had to be baptized maybe than, than what I'm aware of. And perhaps even if you are a pastor or work there, um, there's a statement of faith that you have to be in agreement with that's stronger on that. Um, more, more so than I'm aware of. There's a video, if you're interested in that, in that specific topic, there's a video, about a 30-minute video on Southeast website about, about uh, baptism where they discuss this question. Um, so uh, so those, are, those are those three views that, that all believe we have to be baptized to be saved, and if we're not baptized, then we're, then we're not saved, okay? So just a, just a couple things, three things here in, in conclusion, and then, uh, and then we'll have time for, for a, few, a few questions, hopefully. Um, first of all, one of, the, one of the implications of this is, uh, or one thing that kind of flows out of this kind of thinking is the, the absolute necessary of salvation, uh, of, of baptism for salvation. Absolute, necessary of ba- absolute necessity of baptism for salvation, okay? And so what that's led to in the history of the church sometimes is, uh, quote, forced conversions, Okay. And so there, there have been times in, the, in, in church history where, uh, where the Catholic Church or different, different, um, different traditions, but especially the Catholic Church, have, have kind of forced people to be baptized. Because remember, it doesn't matter what you believe or what you think. As long as you're baptized, then, then you're covered. And, and that, that puts you into the church of, of, of God. It puts you into the, the Catholic Church, and, and it washes away your sins. And so when... Some people from our church have, have done these mission trips to Mexico, and the people we worked with there, um, when the Spanish were, were um, invading Mexico, conquering Mexico, the, the Catholics came with them. Spain was a Catholic country, and they began baptizing people. And, and this people group didn't want to do that. They wanted to keep their own tradition, so they kept retreating farther and farther and farther, and they find it, finally ended up in the, um, in, in the canyons where they live because it was hard for the, for the Catholics to get there. And so they... Once they got there, they turned and went somewhere else because they couldn't get to them. Um, and, and so that, th- this, is, th- this kind of thinking has led to um, these kind of forced conversions sometimes in church history. Another thing this kind of thinking leads to is uh, the immediacy of baptism. Not only is it necessary, but it's, uh, the immediacy of baptism is, is necessary. So if someone is about to die, if someone's on their deathbed, we need to go baptize them right away. We need to go baptize them right now by sprinkling or pouring or however we do that because if they're not baptized, then they can't, uh, they can't go to heaven. Um, and, 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 of course, the fear of dying before you're able to be baptized, right? One of the conversations I had with one of the elders at the, at the Christian church in, in Oklahoma that made him kind of 
kind of think, think differently about baptism or, or kind of talk about how he was thinking about it in his mind. He, he was saying that when his daughter, when she was a teenager, when, when, when the Lord saved her, in his mind, he said he thought baptism was absolutely necessary for salvation. But, but when she believed in Jesus, he didn't rush up to the church that very night to have her baptized right away. He waited till the next Sunday or whatever it was. Um, and he said he wasn't, he, he, he thought it was necessary, but he wasn't worried about her dying in a car wreck or some tragedy or something between then and baptism and, and her not being saved. And so that made him kind of question what, what did he really think about it? What did he really believe about it? Um, the third thing is uh, on, on, on this whole theological triage idea, we've talked about that a, a, a lot over the past several years. So if you're not familiar with that, with what that means, um, we can take different beliefs that the Bible teaches and different beliefs that the church has and, and divide them up into three different groups. And so uh, the first level group would be things where if we don't agree on these things, then, then one of us is not a Christian, right? So something like, is Jesus really God? Uh, something like the Trinity will be in that top level. And if we have a disagreement over, over if, you know, if, if one of us believes in the Trinity and one of us doesn't, or one of us believes Jesus is God and one of us doesn't, then we're different religions. One of us is not a Christian, right? But there's also a second level of, of, of things taught in the Bible, and these are things where if someone disagrees about some of these things, if we have disagreements, I'm not going to say that you're not a Christian. Hopefully you're not going to say that I'm not a Christian, but we're not going to be able to be in the same church together. Okay, so so these are things like I grew up in. We're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks, but I grew up in I grew up in a Presbyterian church, and so the church I grew up in baptizes believers and their infant children. Okay, and when I go back to Tennessee to visit my parents, I was there just in December for Christmas. When I go back to visit my parents, I, I attend their church sometimes. I've preached in their church and 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 would hope to preach in their church again um, in the future. But if I were to move back to Tennessee, or if my parents were to move here, I couldn't join their church and become a member of their church. And they couldn't join here and become a member here un unless we, we were able to kind of think through the scriptures and come to a different conclusion on that issue. So I think they're believers. We could go on mission trips together and do different things. We could, we could have, even have some joint worship services together and stuff like that um, at times. But we couldn't be members of the same church because we have to decide. Or either we're going to baptize infants or we're not going to baptize infants, right? And they think that it's a sin not to, and I think it's a sin to or, or wrong to, or however you want to think about that, right? And then the third level are things where, uh, where we can have disagreements, uh, and I'm not going to say you're not a believer. Hopefully you're not going to say I'm not a believer, and we can also stay in the same church together. And so this would be something like we just started studying the book of Revelation today. This is something like the, like the end times. As long as, as long as we both think that Jesus is going to come back one day, how he's going to come back and when he's going to come back and all the stuff that's going to surround that, we can have some disagreements about those kind of things and still be part of the same church. right? So first level, second level, third level. As far as, as far as baptism goes, baptism, I think, would, would be in the second level, like I said, uh, where we can both be Christians but not be in the same church. But this issue of baptism, where we're talking about uh, baptism being necessary for salvation or not necessary for salvation, I think that would be in that top level, the first level, right? Because we're talking about two different gospels here, right? Um, we don't teach here, and hopefully you don't believe here, that you have to be baptized to be saved, Right? What do you have to do to be saved? We have to believe in the Lord Jesus and repent of our sins, right? And there's other churches that think, well, no, you have to do those two things, but then you have to do these other things also. Or there's some churches that say, well, you don't have to do those things. All you have to do is be baptized, right? And, and, and those, are, those are different gospels. Those are different gospels. And so we can't be part of that. Uh, we can't be unified with, those, uh, with people that, that have those type of disagreements and um, and, and I would say that those are, those are, are different gospels and, and would not be believers, right? Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't Catholic people that are believers. 
uh, because not everybody believes what their church teaches, right? Um, and, and so that doesn't mean that there aren't Catholic people or Lutheran people or Church of Christ people or whatever that, that aren't believers. Some of them hopefully are, maybe are. Um, but it's because they go against what their church teaches, not, not because they follow what their church teaches, right? Yeah. 